Uh, Our Old Testament reading this morning is from Leviticus in the 24th chapter, beginning at verse 17 and continuing through verse 22. I know that uh, Presbyterians, by and large, don't spend a lot of time in the book of Leviticus. It can be rather dry. Uh, I had a, a professor at seminary who was my professor for worship and sacraments who, uh, despite the fact that he was a 20-year veteran of small church ministry, had his Ph.D. in Old Testament and his dissertation was in Leviticus and he loved this book of Scripture. Uh, And it does, when you sift it, have some wonderful gems in there. This morning's verses talk about... The law of retribution. I invite you to listen for a word from the Lord as it is there written. Whoever kills any man shall surely be put to death. Whoever kills an animal shall make it good. Animal for animal. If a man causes disfigurement of his neighbor as he has done, so shall it be done to him. Fracture for fracture, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. As he has caused disfigurement of a man, so shall it be done to him. And whoever kills an animal shall restore it, but whoever kills a man shall be put to death. You shall have the same law for the stranger and for one from your own country, for I am the Lord your God. Here ends this reading from God's holy word. This morning's New Testament reading comes from the Gospel according to Luke in the 6th chapter, beginning at verse 27 and continuing through verse 38 again. I invite you to listen for a word from the Lord as it is there written. But I, Jesus, say to you that listen, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who who abuse you, if anyone strikes you on the cheek, offer the other one also. And from anyone who takes away your coat, do not withhold even your shirt. Give to everyone who begs from you, and if anyone takes away your goods, do not ask for them again. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them, If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. If you lend to those from whom you hope to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much again. But love your enemies, do good, and lend, expecting nothing in return. Your reward will be great. And you will be children of the Most High, for He is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap, for the measure you give will be the measure you get back. Here ends this reading from God's holy word. 
Very possibly the most remembered and repeated words from all of the gospel according to Luke are contained in this morning's appointed lectionary reading. Do unto others, or however your favorite translation of this text happens to go, the golden rule, as it has come to be known, has for many come to succinctly and memorably set out the boundaries for living as a Christian. As I was counseling a couple in advanced preparation for the baptism of their newborn, I was asking them about their prior church experiences, having established that they were both Christians and had themselves been baptized. One of the background pieces of information I was interested in was the depth of their Christian education. One of the parents who had grown up in this church recalled a former Sunday school teacher. When I asked, what do you remember most about that instruction that you received in Sunday school? The response I got was, she taught us the golden rule and thought it was the most important thing that we should remember. So it seems indeed. We've heard of it. And it seems we're willing to accept that it is a good guide for us to follow as we deal with other people. By way of a scriptural soundbite, it's a way of being a good person. It is even an almost universal sentiment shared among the religious of many different faiths and even among many of the nuns, those who claim no religious affinity or affiliation. Among some of the world's major faith traditions, prophets and authors of the various groups have weighed in over the ages with their own understandings and interpretations of what seems an almost universal precept. Confucianism asks, is there any rule that one should follow all one's life? Yes, is the answer. The rule of gentle goodness, that which we do not wish to be done to us, we do not do to others. In Buddhism, do not offend others as you would not want to be offended. In Hinduism, everything you should do, you will find in this. Do nothing to others that would hurt if it were done to you. In Islam, none of you shall be true believers unless you wish for your brother the same that you wish for yourself. In the Pentateuch, the first five books of Moses, it was an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, no more than that. In the Talmud, the sentiment has been equated with the totality of the spirit of the law and described as that which you do not wish for yourself, you shall not wish for your neighbor. That then makes for a pretty fair and equitable golden rule for life with others on this planet. But what if I were to tell you this morning that in my estimation, the gospel interpretation of conduct for Christians 
is not at all like the guidance one receives from any of these other religious codes. Oh, certainly, Luke 6.31 is translated in this version we heard this morning as do to others as you would have them do to you. And that is a, a fair rendering of what Jesus was saying. But it is only a very small part of what Jesus was saying here. In order to better understand what he intended his audience to hear in this lengthier teaching, we need to look at what else Jesus said, both right before and right after, to get a fuller context of this beloved verse. As we do, I think we might get a sense that while the golden rule may be the standard for Buddhists, Hindus, Muslims, Jews, and nuns. For the rest of the world, Christians are held to a higher standard yet. Consider how our gospel reading this morning begins in verse 27. But I say to you that listen, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. Well, that certainly doesn't sound like doing to others as they do to you. No, it sounds much more extreme than that. It sounds more like Jesus, even. You may recall that the one who was crucified for telling the truth prayed to his Father and ours for forgiveness to those who were responsible for his murder. I'd say that goes well beyond simply not doing to others the things you wouldn't want them to do to you or even doing to others as you would have them do to you. Blessing those who curse us, praying for our abusers, really now, you can't expect us to go that far. Even the psalmist, whom we read responsibly this morning, has contempt and vengeance in his heart and on his lips for the people who oppose God, the God of the Hebrews. That, that sounds much more in accord with the way we think we should respond to that lot now, doesn't it? After all, the words of the New Testament provide us with a window into the life and perhaps a bit of the mind of Christ but after all, that was Jesus. Certainly nobody else could be expected to behave in such a noble fashion as that. Well, Paul thought that it was a given for those who would call themselves followers of Christ as he urged his fellow believers in Philippi to do. He said, let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. And he told the Ephesians to be imitators of God as beloved children. He told the Corinthians to be imitators of himself, Paul, as he in turn was living in imitation of Christ. So it seems the apostle bought into the notion that what the master commended were not simply lofty platitudes, but were imperatives. 
In Luke 6, Jesus continued, If anyone strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from anyone who takes away your coat, do not withhold even your shirt. Again, this is so far above and beyond what is called for in the worldview of any other bunch of people that it sets us apart. But that is just how God works. Now, isn't it? Since the very beginning of the divine self-revelation that we have recorded in the witness of the Old and New Testaments, God has been setting apart a people for a very special purpose. And with that division has come unique responsibilities. Part of that responsibility includes such things as give to everyone who begs from you. And if anyone takes away your goods, do not ask for them again. This is, as the New Testament scholar, author, and former Archbishop of Durham, N.T. Wright, describes the absurd gratitude that is inherent in Christianity. When you think of it, that kind of makes some sense. I think, after all, the whole gift by God to the world of Jesus was so extravagant that it demands an equally extravagant response on our grateful part. Even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much again, Jesus observes. God, it seems, desires a bit more than convenient capitalism. Loan forgiveness is certainly something the Almighty has demonstrated in a most spectacular fashion. Our debts have been forgiven through the atoning work of our Savior. We didn't deserve it. We didn't earn it. And as huge as that divine act of grace is, then we who are on the receiving end of it might be encouraged to extend a bit of charity of our own without preconceptions of recompense. Love your enemies, do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. Your reward will be great and you will be children of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. It has been said often during an annual stewardship campaign that one cannot outgive God. But that goes for more than simply our two copper mites in the collection box. It's about a lifestyle of generosity which surpasses the expectations of the rest of the world, a world which is all too excited to celebrate those who show one another the kindness according to the measure-for-measure measure formula. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. In the divine economy, the currency of the realm is grace. And the Federal Reserve Board maintains a perpetually negative interest rate. Meaning that when you lend funds, you do so with the full awareness that you are quite unlikely to recoup them. After all, we have not been lent 
our pardon and our salvation, it was done as a permanent charitable gift. And having received that, we are to act accordingly, not treating others as we would desire for them to treat us, but rather as we have already received treatment from God through Jesus Christ. Taken as a whole, this is what I understand to be the heart of these verses from chapter 6 of the Gospel according to Luke. This is less the golden rule and what one might call the platinum rule. It's not based on the relationship between the two parties involved in the transaction how much they are invested in one another prior to the need arising, but rather it is based on the pre-existing covenant relationship between Jesus and we who are asked to provide some goods or services or acts on behalf of someone or someones. We would often prefer not to have a relationship with it all. That's what it looks like to give the shirt off your back, to turn the other cheek, to bless and pray for those whom you most strongly disagree with. It's the sorts of things that Jesus calls us to do. Many of these things pull us out of our comfort zone, to be sure. But I highly doubt that the cross on Calvary was of any comfort to our Savior. So just as we have been so richly blessed we are called to be a blessing, to adhere not to a rule of gold, but to one of something far more precious as we witness to what changes Jesus has wrought in us, as he has set us free from the conventions, the ways, and the transactional economy of this world and given us a fresh understanding of what it means to live as his grateful, redeemed new creations. And for that, we may truly say thanks be to God and amen.